Good day and welcome to episode 69, nice, of the Plus One Player Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Steve, and as always, I'm joined by the lore connoisseur himself, Matt Martinez. Episode 69, the most mature episode we've ever had. Of course. I'm sure we'll have no more 69 jokes as we go along. And this week, once again, we are joined by the man who always has the high ground, Matt O'Neill. Steven the Mats, once again, how are you, Matt O'Neill? Oh, I'm very good, Steven. Happy to be on this episode oh. of all episodes. Yes, of course, because <laughs> it's the mature episode. Mature. <laughs> so how are you both doing on this fine Saturday? It's a little snowy here. It's only slightly snowy here. Just slightly yeah. snowy. It snowed it's like, and now it's done. Yeah, it's like I'm two, on. three inches tops. I'm a little uh, disappointed. <laughs> Frankly, Mother Nature, I am disappointed. I expect. I better. wish there was more. It's not been one good snow here. No, yeah, honestly, I don't mind that. I don't mind it at all. Because I just want one. Yeah. Just That's one. That's right. One. One is I'll, good. I'll take it. it. Like... <laughs> I'll take it if it's like a weekend where I don't have to go anywhere. Because when it ha- I'm going to be yeah, busy at work. get a snow day. Yeah, but I'm going to be busy at work. The next like month, we have a training class coming in. And even if it's snowing, they won't cancel training because they're sadists. So I'll have to go in. Well, okay. I haven't had to go anywhere all week. <laughs> There's been no snow. Well, as we stumble through this slightly snowy saturday what an alliteration that was wow beautiful you'll notice that manny is once slightly again snowy missing. 69 saturday you'll notice that once again manny is not with us because he's actually stuck in the heart of rage because he's been playing it so much anthem so we miss him oh no hopefully we'll rescue oh him God. i just got my dawn shield so maybe i'll go in there and rescue him we'll see we'll see while he is battling all types of enemies in the heart of rage we do have to keep the house clean so as always follow us on social media we are at plus one player on twitter and instagram and that's at plus the number one player and of course we have facebook which is facebook.com slash plus one player so go and check out all of our social media sites and head on over to the website which is plus one player.com there you'll find all of our articles all of our podcasts and links to our twitch which is twitch.tv slash plus one player we just had the stream for Canines for Warriors last Saturday. It was an absolute blast. We raised $600 for them. And oh once again, God. thank you so much, Jimmy Good from Critical Reviews, for hanging out with us and playing a ton of fun games. Coffee Talk was a blast. The uh, ending podcast segment at the end of the night was a good time as well. And of course, who could forget our perfect rendition of Tiny Dancer, especially thanks <sighs> to Kate. She did a stellar <laughs> job. She's really did the best job she was the star of of the show my dad actually texted me saying that because of her that is why he enjoyed that segment Mm. so it was it was a well done group performance we had a blast so again thank you so much to everybody who donated and spent time with us this past saturday also on the website you can find links to our discord which is a fantastic community so if you'd like to talk with some great people about games and all things nerd culture or who knows Sometimes we just go off on a tangent about horse court. So if those things sound interesting to you, come on and join the community. We have a great group of folks, unless, of course, you're racist, in which case we don't want you to participate in our horse court conversations. No. Horse judges spoken. (laughs) (laughs) And after all that, if you've checked out our content, if you've hung out with us in Discord, think of heading on over to patreon.com slash plus one player. And if you're feeling generous, throw us a buck or two, because every single dollar you give us will go right back to the show to make it the best it can be. We got a great group of supporters, and we'd love it if you would join 
up with us. Do it. And we can't finish housekeeping without mentioning the biggest Patreon supporter we have, and that is the sponsor of the show, Nerdiest Brands, but I'll tell you about that a little bit later. So, episode 69, it's going to be a lot of fun. Saturday morning, we got good energy. We don't mind the slightly snowiness of the day. So, Matt, and this is the lore connoisseur, Matt. Me, Matt. (laughs) You, Matt. Please let us know, what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to start out with uh, talking about our favorite pornographic film. Great. And then, no. Ah, okay. <laughs> now, we're going to play Pass the Sticks to start episode 69 edition, what we're currently playing. And then after that, we're going to move into our topic of the pod, which is level design. We're going to talk about some of our favorite levels to have played through in video games what we think makes a solid level mechanics that we've really enjoyed from those levels and just talk about some of our our favorite games that have just amazing levels in them so another good topic for you to call in about because we'd love to learn more about your favorite levels and then we'll move along as we normally do to patch notes uh, where we will discuss some topics in depth from the previous week and then we will round out the pod cast. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we start with pass the sticks? I have the sticks and I will give them to Matthew to start. So uh, I've been playing a lot of Metro Exodus this week. Oh, I yes. Know. Tell if us more. Read my review. You would know that. Yeah, it was um, very good review. <laughs> yeah, it was. But uh, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I feel like the Metro games are those games that kind of like every time they come out, a few people are like, "Oh, this is pretty good. You guys should check it out." And it never quite, it never really makes that big of a footprint when it comes out. Yeah. It's like some people are like, "Oh, these are pretty good," and then like they kind of just get you know it's forgotten about. Yeah, but I've uh, even like from the first one, I've always enjoyed them. I I think they're like criminally underrated. Uh, and I'm I'm kind of happy to see that like this like entry is like it's definitely the most ambitious game that they've done so far, and it's it's kind of reminds me of like The Witcher in a way, where it's like you had like the first two Witcher games which were like decent and like they had a lot of potential, but like the studio was like this little Polish like based thing with like 10 people that really (laughs) like didn't have the resources to really pull off anything massive and the witcher 3 comes out and it's like unbelievable it like blows like the other two games out of the water and it's a huge hit this game kind of reminds me of that except it's not quite getting the financial success it's getting great reviews but unfortunately it's not quite getting the sales that it deserves frankly and uh that i would like to see Mm. it getting Especially since, like, it's a similar case. Like, it's this small Ukraine-based studio that, like, made these games. It basically, like, they almost, like, went out of business because when THQ, Mm. which was the original publisher that did, like, the first game, they went out of business and they were already making, like, the new game, like, for the the sequel to that, which is Metro Last Light. And then they went out of business and luckily, like, was it um, Deep Silver, which is, like, this German-based... or I think it's UK-based, but it's there's, like, a German umbrella company. But they stepped in and picked up the publishing rights. It's weird. Like, okay. they have like a, they've got a lot of weird, like, games that they make. Yeah. But they, they come in, they pick up the publishing rights, and they, like, get the sequel released. That's a big hit, too. And then five years later, now they come out with this game. 
so they got they put that money they clearly put the money that they got from those games to good use uh i just wish that it was being reflected in the sales because it is an amazing game uh it has great world building great lore oh those who are for those who are interested in that sort of thing Perhaps if you're a connoisseur uh, of such things. Yeah, a lot, of, oh. a lot of great lore in those games. It's a great survival horror if you're into that, if you're into survival horror games. So if, like, Resident Evil, you might find a lot of things like here. If you're into that sort of Russian, like, apocalyptic oh. Oh. aesthetic, it <laughs> strikes like me this as this is the game for you. Market. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very niche aesthetic there. If you're into that, there's a lot for you to love there. Or just post-apocalyptic games in general, because this game, like, it's got a lot of influences coming out, because there's, like, a little bit of Mad Max thrown in there. Ooh. There's, like, a little bit of Half-Life thrown in there. Oh. Yeah, so there's there's a lot for everyone, and, and I think people should be checking it out more than it's being checked out right now. That's my take. Wow. That's a very good take. I actually do want to take. check it out. I've never played it in the Metro games, but they do seem like something that would you know strike my appeal so if i could put one recommendation is if you can play it on a pc oh okay okay because controller wise it really is not the best because the game itself is like a little clunky and it's i think part of that's intentional but when you play with the controller it's like bad oh okay okay it's it's not easy <laughs> to play I will keep that in mind. My only recommendation. <laughs> cool. Oh, I passed the sticks now. Oh my god! I mean, you can hold on to them if you want. You just... Oh, they're they're so nice. Uh, no, no, no. I'll be generous. I'll give it to Steve. Ooh, well, thank you, sir. That's I have these very sticks rude. now. <laughs> Sheesh. I've actually been really busy. I've been playing a ton of games recently. Just this morning, actually, I started playing the Division Two beta. So I'll start with that just because I got a little taste of it. Do it. it still feels just similar enough to division one where it's still got that smoothness it's all about the cover combat where you go from cover to cover it still baffles me that like that game doesn't use like the the mechanic you talked about the run slide crouch or the run crouch slide you can dive out of the way but like the division is more of a i feel like an enclosed tight type of combat feel where you're supposed to be moving slowly like from cover to cover so it's not wild that they didn't incorporate that Otherwise, it does feel very similar to the Division 1, where you're still picking up the items, you're ranking up your material, you're unlocking new weapons, you're getting skills like the turret and the heat-seeking mines, and then you're also getting perks, which are similar to the other uh, Division 1 as well. So, all of that is very much the same. The DC location is very cool. Like, without spoiling too much, your base of operations is the White House, and it's... Can you sleep in the bedroom? I honestly haven't had a chance to explore the White House too much yet. Go look at all I've the paintings. Missions. I've been doing some missions, you know. One uh, piece that they did add that I liked is you can now like repair your armor on the fly. So you have, and it's very similar to what you've seen in Destiny and Anthem, where you have armor and health. And so when your shield or your armor depletes, then that's when they start actually picking off your health. And so now you'll carry what's called armor kits, and you can sit and just hold a button, and it'll repair your armor. And there's a perk you can unlock where when you go to the restock bins to restock your ammo, you can also restock your armor as well. So Mm -hmm. it makes it a little bit easier uh, because some of the enemies were really tough from the first one from I remember because there is still that same element of bullet sponginess. So with that, I like this addition because now it gives you the chance to kind of keep yourself going, especially in those no respawn areas. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to playing that a little bit more. Had, Had some fun this morning. Played Far Cry New Dawn. Absolutely loved it. You can check out my review of that. 
on the website as well. I thought it improved upon a lot of the things that I didn't like in five where there with five, they had the XP system where like you use that to rank up and complete different sectors of the map. And what sucked was when you hit like some random XP amount and you could be just doing anything in the middle of the world when it happened, if you hit a certain amount, it would just pull you into a cutscene no matter what you were doing. And uh, so that was super frustrating. I hated it. It took me out really of the game. Weird. And there was also, like, the the AI in that game. Enemies would constantly, in 5, be trying to kill you. But it didn't make sense story-wise because the father and all his, like, children, or not, not his children, excuse me, his, like, brothers and sisters, they <laughs> capture you multiple times and they don't kill you. Like, they're not trying to kill you. So, like, why are all of his cultists trying to kill me constantly? And it just, hmm. you would try to be doing just random things like hunting or resource gathering. And then all of a sudden you'd be attacked like by four groups. You're like, Jesus Christ, like I just want to explore this world a little bit. So they took all that out. And five is so much more, excuse me, New Dawn is so much more streamlined. I love the perk system because that's how you like rank up now. And you get perk points by either clearing treasure hunts points. or by just doing challenges, which are awesome because you had different tiers of weapons and you could through crafting. So there's a lot of resource gathering, which I actually loved some like little RPG elements and you'd have to rank up your base. So that way you can then create the next tier of weapons by crafting your workbench to be stronger. Mm. And the weapons are all pretty cool because like, for instance, like it was always fun to have a sniper rifle that had a spray paint can as a silencer. So it had kind of that post-apocalyptic feel with still modern weapons. The saw launcher is an amazing gun. That was easily my favorite weapon. You could take out like six guys at once with one of those things. So powerful. Main character is obviously voiceless because that's how Far Cry always works. But the villains were cool. Mm -hmm. The sisters, Mickey and Lou. I love the way they kind of filled in their backstory through like intermission cutscenes. So that was really nice. Um, And then it gives you kind of some choices at the end, like what you want to do. So I like that little element and it gave the father closure because I didn't feel any closure when I finished Far Cry 5. I thought the ending was kind of subpar and I felt Mm. like now it makes more sense because clearly they were doing that to set up New Dawn. And I do Mm. think New Dawn definitely gives the closure that we all kind of wanted. The world is beautiful. I loved just doing all the side missions, running around. I really think it might be one of my favorite Far Cry games. And especially it's only 40 bucks. Like, I definitely got my money's worth for that game. The story's great. Side missions are fun. The weapons are cool. I was compelled to do the challenges. Like, I did every weapon challenge I had to do just because it was a lot of fun. I Like, I enjoyed trying the different weapons and doing all the little challenges to rank up your perks and your XP and all that stuff. So I highly recommend Far Cry New Dawn for any fans of the series. Nice. Mm-hmm. It looks really beautiful. It's like, so even nice. the yeah. colors. Yeah, it's just like... I thought they did a really good job. And especially because, like, I don't think anybody was expecting it. And then when they, they announced at the Game Awards, I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And then when I got my hands on it, I couldn't put it down. And the only thing that made me put it down is because I started playing Anthem. And I will say, I haven't really experienced too many server issues. I have experienced some. I've been booted from a couple of missions, like, right towards the tail end of those missions, which was very frustrating. And that just like takes me out of gaming when that happens and you get booted. I just like, don't want to even play like, I just turn the game yeah. off. I'm like, all right, that's just frustrating. So that's happened a couple of times. I won't lie. Mm-hmm. But when I am playing, it's a lot of fun. I, I love flying around as a javelin. The combat is smooth. It's very exhilarating. Like doing the combos, doing your special mm-hmm. moves, dodging, like hitting circle to dodge is 
absolutely a blast like when you see an incoming attack like someone's got you locked on just hitting that at the last second and then you see like a laser whiz right by your head so like the visuals are amazing the world is absolutely beautiful i love flying around it the missions are very much what we've seen in like these types of games like i feel like the same with destiny 2 where a lot of times you kind of feel like you're doing the same thing in just different areas of the map you know go get this and you would get to a certain spot and then it's like all right now you have to find these pieces and put it on this thing so it's like a game of hot and cold where you have a little radar that tells you like which way to go and then it blinks when you're near the thing so there's a lot of that i've been playing it pretty much solo and i've been able to do strongholds which are very similar to strikes in destiny where you're just going down into like a mine pretty much and you're fighting strong enemies with an eventual big boss at the end for some solid loot I did that just by doing random matchmaking and we didn't have comms Mm -hmm. on and we were able to successfully complete it twice. Um, So um, you're able to play it without multiple people and you're able, the matchmaking Mm -hmm. is very solid. I'm always able to get with a solid group and we all complete the mission. It is definitely more fun to play it with a group of people though, because then you can kind of time your combos and everything like that. And there is an element of strategy to it. The best part of it is for sure the NPCs. I really enjoy walking around hmm. Fort Tarsus. Well, I don't necessarily enjoy the mechanic of walking because I think it's too slow. <laughs> but yeah, I heard oh my them. god, yeah. I do so enjoy bad. the NPCs. Like I, I, I do like to go talk to them and find out more about them. They're all kind of well developed. And without spoiling anything, there was a cool little twist that I didn't see coming. And the only reason it, it made me feel anything was because I had been talking to these characters hmm. and I actually was interested in them. So. Kudos to that, and that's Bioware doing what Bioware does. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people be like, wow, man, wouldn't this game be so good if it was single player and you could like grab your NPC crew and rank up their javelins? And I was like, yeah, that would be pretty cool, but it's designed to be playing with your friends. <laughs> so <laughs> it is it be, is definitely... Wouldn't it be cool if it was a full single player experience with so many different branching storylines and characters wow. you could get to know? Shit. Choices to make a like that. There's always gonna be that. (laughs) And I think the the world of Anthem is cool for that. I think they're doing a good job of building the world in different conversations you have, and then you get like emails sent to your character from other NPCs and that adds a little bit of character to it. I wonder where they wonder if they've done that before in any other yeah, games. Yeah, I'm sure made. they have. Mm. But I'm I'm glad to see Mm. those elements. So all in all, I think I think it's enjoyable. It definitely has its its faults, um, and I think it suffers because obviously we've seen that the sales haven't been what I guess some people expected. They're blaming negative reviews, but I, I don't think it's necessarily the negative reviews. I think what it is, it's just an oversaturated market. You know, There's a lot of similar games like that, and so when it comes out at the start and you don't know like what the rest of the content's going to be after the end game you can see some skepticism there and that's understandable why people don't yeah. want to just shell out 60 bucks right away because right. they want to see where it's going. I do think the gameplay is enjoyable. I do think there's a solid foundation for cool content to be added. So we'll see. I am having a good time playing it though. So I guess my question my would be, well, here's my question to your sticks. This is an open question. Okay. Like, would they have sold more had they really tried to build out more content in the beginning? Like had there had they not tried to do this sort of like minimum viable product to be released? I honestly think that that could be something that would help it because I I think a lot of it is it's just the uncertainty. You don't know what they're going to add and when they're going to add it. So going in with like a content, I know they didn't they do like a 90 day calendar and stuff, but you don't know what that's actually going to be like, you know, 
And again, I think it's just because there's so many other ones. Like Destiny 2 is already very established right now. It's two plus years in and it had the Forsaken change its whole foundation again. So there's a ton of content. They have the season pass going through this year as well, which they had announced months ago. So everybody, again, knew what they were getting into. And so that's already established. Warframe has been going strong for years. So you have these two similar entities that are taking up people's attention. And then of course you have to throw in apex legends just because it's, it, it's an accessible game that so many people can play. So you have someone's like, well, th- this can kind of give me my shooter fix. So, cause I, I, I think the, the whole, I guess, loot shooter is the, the phrase people use now. So I guess that whole genre, it only is going to appeal to people who like that. So you're not going to be able to just yeah. pull other people into it and then you lose the bio some of the bioware fans who are like really gung-ho about like i want a single player narrative driven game that's true mm. that's a good point well okay i am enjoying <laughs> it though. if that goes if that counts for anything i am enjoying my time yeah. when i do yeah, I know a few people jump into are. the game so yeah if anybody's looking for you know an exciting shooter I'd recommend. Let me tell you about Destiny 2 Forsaken, then. Yeah. <laughs> but those are my sticks, and I am passing them to you, Matt. Yay. Well, I have been on the bandwagon, happily riding along in the Apex Legends cart. Yeah, you've got some wins, <laughs> I've seen. A, a rickety some cart. wins. I've only gotten better, which is what I'll say. So <laughs> get at me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm finally figuring out the the guns that I do that feel best for me. Right. So I think that is helping a lot. I also am very comfortable with like two or three, I'd say two characters right now. So I can sort of like play who I want to play. But again, very fun game. Playing in a squad of three is just so much fun. And the games often don't feel repetitive. I still will always have like, problems with rng in battle royales but that's a personal issue not related to this game in particular right but uh it's so much fun i can't wait for them to add more characters and you know i i think the map is like a tiny bit small so like making a bigger map or a different map that you can play in like i'm gonna say i like that the map is small i don't want a bigger yeah map. i mean the, i think it, it's perfect the games go quicker yeah yeah it's like 20 minutes like max, i don't want a PUBG maybe. like 45 minute match where you're just in an open field like and like 30 of those <laughs> minutes are trying are to running. get into the zone yeah, yeah like, that's uh, true okay i rescind my statement <laughs> the map is perfect map is a good size i just i would like I can't wait. You want for them. vehicles. You want vehicles. I want, want like vehicles. Vehicle. I want to drive shit around. I love driving. I also kind of wish everyone had a grappling hook because, <laughs> God, it's so much fun. That's what made Titanfall two so great. And wall running. Why don't we have wall running? That's also a mechanic I'd like. I always to think see. that there is wall running for some reason. I like forget that there yeah. isn't. That's not a mechanic. I'll be like, yeah, oh yeah. wait. So we'll see. But I've been having a lot of fun. And if you haven't played it, it's free, and you should try it. Then we played a little For the King, Ooh. which <laughs> such a good game. If you see it on sale on Steam, you should pick it up. It's also a three-player game, really? like Apex Legends. And it's like a little role-playing game, sort of uh, like turn-based combat. Um, and there's like one goal. There's many different maps, and each map has a different goal. It could be like, oh, like do this dungeon crawl, or oh, you have to go find this guy and give him like 100 gold or something and you're just like battling 
little skeletons, rats, and other things. But it's fun to play in a group because there is strategy involved in the combat. I played it with Matt and Connor. Yeah, nice. uh, and then I still have, I've been dying to play Total War, <laughs> Warhammer. <laughs> we'll get to been it. dying to play it. It's, we, it's been like two weeks and we, we haven't played it. We all have it installed whenever well, you're ready. Right now. Let's and I'm not doing recording. <laughs> okay, podcast over. That's it. We're done. But it's and the reason why is because I've had this itch to play like a really good strategy game, and I think it's Total War Two Warhammer. Yeah, or is it Total like War a... Warhammer Two? I don't it, know. It's whatever. One of those. <laughs> it's weird. Um, and it's such a good strategy game. And like today, I'm still in between these. I'm in between the extremes of the strategy genre right now, which is like super <laughs> super fast RTS. Like you have to micromanage everything and be able to click a thousand clicks in. 10 seconds the man of a thousand and then clicks. the like super long like stellaris like <laughs> grand strategy that takes a billion years to do anything i just I'm want something be... in the middle of that <laughs> yeah so it is for... a good middle middle ground I think. yeah that's what that game is right now so i yeah, really want to play appeal. it so if you'd like to play it with me okay well so that's it that's all i've been playing this week those are good though that's a good yeah. variety there. It's a good mm-hmm. variety. I agree. So that's been past the sticks. All right. So now let's move on to the topic of the pod, level design. Steve, who's our sponsor? And as always, the show is sponsored by Nerdiest Brands. And if you don't know, Nerdiest Brands is a fantastic website that features products from vendors and designers from around the world, no matter the nerdy fandom. So if you'd like some rad nerdy gear, head on over to nerdiestbrands.com. That's Nerdiest, N-E-R-D-I-O-U-S, Brands. Back to you, Matt. (laughs) Thanks, Steve. So let's dive in. We're going to talk about some of our favorite level designs in video games. I know I'm fairly certain Matt and I have one that is the same, and I'd be shocked if he didn't have this on his list. I feel like Um, you say that sentence every time the three of us do a podcast (laughs) together about whatever topic we're talking about. I'd be shocked. I already know what it is. <laughs> well, I know. I know what it is, too. Yeah, but I'm not going to talk about it because I know what it is. Oh, you're not going to talk about it? <laughs> I mean, I'll talk about it when you talk about it. Okay, so then let's talk about it. We'll talk about it. Why don't we start with that one, then? Okay. <laughs> okay. Titanfall 2. The level is called Effects and Cause. In it, you... And this, I, I think this is like the second level... Where, like, as a player playing Titanfall 2 in the single-player campaign, you're like, oh, this is different from most shooters. Yeah. And I think the level before it was the, um, where you're in the factory that's building. Oh, and, like, the, yeah, like, the level's being built around you. Yeah, the, like, mobile, it's, like, building the homes and stuff. That level's very cool. And that would have been on this list, but we're talking about effects and cause, which is a better level. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, in this level, you're like, oh, wow, things are actually really interesting in this game. And Mm. in it, you and the mech that you've befriended, BB something, I don't know. BT. BT. I was close. We were close. Anyway, so you and BT are exploring this facility. You're trying to find this commander. I forget her name, but you're trying to find her. And you're like, this facility that you're in is all... It's burning, like, um, everything's broken and has been shot up. There's, like, 
Mother Nature is taking back over. There's growth everywhere. And you're trying to find this device that she has. And you, whatever, you go through the level. As you're going through, like, there's some, like, flashback stuff going on that you can't control. Uh, and you just, like, go backwards in time to when the facility is, like, all pristine and beautiful. Mm. And then you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, I, was, I don't know if you are going to say it, but, like, the twist was, like, you think, like, oh, you're just seeing a, seeing a flashback of the area. But mm. then, like, for one of the flashbacks, you, you go back and someone's like, what are you doing here? Like, someone, yeah. like, calls security and you realize, like, you're actually going back in yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, like, which oh. is crazy. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's good. And so eventually you find her body and, and whatever. You you get this device. It's a glove that you put on your hand. And I think it's, like, the middle mouse button that you press. It's something very easy to press mm. on your keyboard. And when you press it, the device, like, instantly takes you back in time or when you're back in time instantly takes you to the present day so you're switching seamlessly from the past to the present whenever you want it's just like if you flick a switch and you're in the other time period Mm -hmm. it's crazy yeah and what becomes really interesting is that you then start solving puzzles by going back in time or being in the present Sometimes there's lasers in the past and you go in the present, they're destroyed. Sometimes there's platforms that are there that aren't there in either time zone. So it sort of layers the learning for the player on top of it so that those things become more and more complex. And then the other cool thing is that you can be in a room fighting a group of soldiers in the past, flip to the present, walk in like a semicircle, flip back to the past, and all the soldiers are still pointed at where you were, and now you're behind them, and you can just shoot them all. Or you're in a room with those soldiers, and you're like, oh my god, there's so many people. You flip to the to the present, and there's like five lizard beasts in that room, and you're like, holy mm-hmm. shit, and you flip back. And so you're like constantly flipping back and forth to try and like outmaneuver both of them and kill both of them. It is so good. It is just an exceptional level, and if you haven't played it and you like shooters, it is, like, required. It is required playing. You have to play that level. It's unreal. It's such mm. a good level. My preferred strategy was to take a grenade and just throw it, like, at my feet and then <laughs> teleport away and then, like, start cooking another grenade and then teleport back and then just, like, drop it and then just teleport back to the uh... present. So you just, like, blow up everyone and then just go back and they'd be dead. <laughs> That's per- I didn't ever did that. <laughs> that was yeah, that mine was, my was all shooting. Yeah, but see, you, you have options. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing yeah. is that you could play that. It's like level things you can do, right? And like learn so many different things through multiple playthroughs, and um, highly. It could be its own recommend. game. It really could. Oh, with that mechanic, yeah. yeah, it really could. Yeah, that's mine. I that like immediately comes to mind when anyone ever says like really good level design go. Boom, that level. That's your go-to. Yeah, that's why I really hope that, like, Respawn's working on some creative stuff for Apex or Titanfall 3 or something, you know. Or the new Star Wars game. Or that. Um, So that would be the first one I would talk about. But, uh, yeah, which, what would you guys throw in? What's the what's the top one that comes to mind if you have one? The top one that comes to mind? All right. The top? If we're going to do that one. My top one, and like I didn't know we were gonna go this way, so I was gonna say oh. this for the end just to see, just to see your. No, no, I'll do it now. But I just wanted to see your face after Uh-oh. we had talked about like an entire topic, and then I bring this up. I just wanted to see your your soul melt away from your body oh, because no. 
of course, I'm going to be talking about Chapter 4 of Metal Gear Solid oh, 4. That's fine. I thought you were going to say Anthem, yes. and I was going to be like, I quit. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Chapter 4 of Metal Gear Solid 4, naturally, spoilers ahead. Mm. That was absolutely stunning because it's a PS3 reimagined Shadow Moses, which was the location of the first game. And so, obviously, Hmm. the first game is one of my favorite games of all time. I played it so much. I absolutely loved it. And then to be thrown back into Mm -hmm. that world with awesome graphics, you know, older Snake, and some cooler new enemies, it was absolutely stunning. Like, they had a great feature throughout Metal Gear Solid 4 where, similar to Titanfall, where that you were just talking about, where you could do a flashback. So during cutscenes or just during like moments throughout the game, you'd see a little button pop up, and if you hit it, you could just see quick flashbacks. Mm. There were so many flashbacks in the Shadow Moses one, and they were all so great. Shadow Moses is a funny name. So just throwing that out there. That's great. And so every time like you're about to fly into like a new chapter, they do like cutscenes because they're in like a big you know carrier. Uh, helicopter or whatever it might be like that's their base of operations and so before that one starts it looks like it starts as the original like metal gear solid one like it brings up like that first intro into the helipad Mm -hmm. where you're back in the ps1 graphics your solid snake sneaking around and then once you go into one of the vents to like trigger the next cutscene, mm-hmm. it goes back to PS3 Snake and he wakes up because he was like dreaming oh. in like Metal Gear Solid One polygonal <sighs> figures. <laughs> Pretty meta. Yeah, it is kind of meta. Yeah, it was great, but that's that's Kojima. He always does that little shit to kind of like break the fourth wall. And the best part about it is the whole reason you're there is because you're trying to recover Metal Gear Rex, which was obviously the big mech tank thing that you had to fight in the first Mm. one and you're supposed to recover it because you need the rail gun because that's what you know liquid ocelot at this point is trying to obtain and so when you go get it you now get to you get to control metal gear rex like it's absolutely incredible so you're going through the same tunnels that you raced out of in the first one and then at the end of it where you get out to the little outpass metal gear ray comes up and you guys have a fucking battle it's absolutely amazing. It was the coolest scene, the coolest moments in the game. Oh my god, I I, I love the nostalgia brought out, of course, but they added like new elements to it, and they just made it even cooler than it was back in 1998. So that's my go-to. That sounds pretty cool. It's interesting that both of the oh, ones gosh. that we mentioned involve some sort of time travel, or or in a sense, right, yeah, like it's, time it's, travel for years. There's a lot of flashback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's interesting. So I guess we need more time travel in video games. Very true. Okay, Matthew. My list is a bit nebulous. <laughs> oh, a nebulous list. Doesn't really doesn't really have a top or a bottom. A nebulous. It's sort of like an Ouroboros of. Uh, oh my <laughs> god. Okay. I was gonna. Okay, so I guess uh, I'll lead off with. Um, in terms of level design, it's not so much a specific level, but more about mm-hmm. uh, a specific type of level. Which would be okay. the sort of classic uh, FBS type levels. I, if I had to be specific, I would say like Doom 2016 or uh, the or most re- most recently released a Dusk. They kind of hmm. harken back to the old style like uh, shooter levels where it wasn't like because the problem with shooters nowadays a lot of the time is they're basically just corridor shooters. It's like okay, here's point A, here's point B. You have, there's a bunch of enemies in between, you know, go shoot them and get to the whatever at the end, the button you have to press. Mm-hmm. And a lot of 
older shooters basically was like, okay, here's like the start of the level, here's the end of the level, but between here and there, it's like just a labyrinth. It's just a labyrinth of like secrets and clusters of enemies and weapon pickups and ammo and everything, and you have to just maneuver hmm. around that in any way you decide, any way like that fits your playstyle best. If you're a completionist, you want to find all the secrets and everything. Uh, yeah. These are also like back when shooters were a little faster like your movement speed was a little faster there wasn't a lot of the times like these games didn't have like reloads so like you just like shot until your ammo was gone so it's like the gameplay was a little more frenetic and like the level design reflected that because it was always like mm. well, you have to be moving you have to be you know get onto that platform jump down here get to the you know that you know go up here switch weapons you know shoot down get down get that power up wipe out those guys so it's like it's great for like replayability too, because you might be like, "Oh, like I didn't find all this stuff that was there before. I want to go back, you know, find those secrets, or like I want to try like playing like this instead. I'm going to try sniping more people, or I want to try like getting the rocket launcher and taking and blowing up the the barrels or whatever. Like that that always, that kind of makes shooters a little more interesting than just like, okay, shoot, take cover. Like obviously, there's nothing wrong with that if you're into that type of like game." where it's just like a little more deliberate like okay you gotta shoot your take cover wait for the red to disappear off your screen <laughs> yeah. shoot, no shoot some more just wait for the enemy to peek out and shoot them that like that's fine but it's like i just feel like that doesn't cater well to like i want to go back and play that level again mm-hmm. yeah it's right, like right, i feel right. like i get through them like all right i'm done i beat beat the game whereas like a lot of those levels it's like i really want to play that again like i want to try like you know looking for that or finding that weapon or using this weapon more often to do this because mm. like we like i said we're like the titanfall 2 level like it's the infinite possibilities like for like uh trying different right. things that i think is is the the biggest plus mm. for mm-hmm. that type yeah i love those like old school la- 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 like what is it labyrinthian yeah. designs i guess you could call them because i used to love wolfenstein 3d and my mm. favorite thing about that was how it always had like the pictures on the wall like you see like the pictures of hitler or like the pictures are just like the nazi symbols and you would go in if you yeah. hit them some of them would just open up into a secret room and like that, that was the cool stuff because like that like you said like i wanted to go back and try to play it again it's like oh i missed like a ton of stuff yeah. let me go back and get it and then it was also too like let's see how fast I can get through this level like see let's see how mm-hmm. quickly I can get on to the next one so like there was always something to do and I loved the different like bosses that you'd get to at the end there was one I forget like in the first like the first uh, set of levels you have to do the big bad had like this outrageous like Gatlin gun and he would just blast you if he caught you in his line of sight and he also had the perfect intro like when he opened the door and came in he just goes good dog and you're like all right it's fucking on <laughs> it's, it's amazing fucking on it's so good but yeah i also miss like levels that had like the screen the sort of like report card at the end of the level where it's like this is the <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, like this is how many enemies you killed this is how many secrets you found and then you're like oh shit i did almost nothing mm. you realize like there's right. 100 enemies i killed like 70 it's like what the hell like where were those yeah. other enemies and it's like you found two yeah. out of 10 secrets and it's like what and it's like <laughs> i remember like running everywhere around that map i didn't see any of that and you're like oh i guess i have to go back now but i, mi- I miss like that i like that because i would have never thought of it and would have never contributed it but <laughs> no in a way let like i don't know it wouldn't have popped into my head so i like that you brought mm. it up it's only because like i played like the i played like doom 26 i played dusk like recently so that yeah. kind of like 
came into my head it, it's like been on my mind yeah but yeah that makes sense cool here's the one that i want to talk about that will require i think some explanation this is a guild wars 2 zone that was added in the heart of thorns expansion it is masterful in its creation and i feel like if there's any people that play guild wars 2 they'll be like oh my god why is he talking about verdant brink verdant brink sucks it's so annoying but that's that's <laughs> only if you've if you've played multiple characters and have had to do this zone multiple times if the f- yeah. as a first time player going through this zone it's like unbelievable it is as far as mmos go like has to be one of the most creative zones in in an mmo like ever ever made and i'll tell you why so verdant brink is this like it's a big rectangular space but the it's designed so on the map when you pull up the map it's just a big rectangle but in its actual design doesn't feel anything like a rectangle i feel like in a lot of mmos and rpgs you can you can be in a zone that's like a square and it feels like a square you see the mountains on the edge and you can't go past them and that's that this is a rectangle on the map and it feels like a complete oasis when you're in it and that without any shape at all it's the first zone you go into in that expansion this giant plant dragon is basically trying to kill the whole world um and so it's very there's vines everywhere it's like this huge jungle it's very built out in terms of it feels very claustrophobic but there's actually three levels to the map so there's a canopy level where you're like running on vines like all the way up like it's really fucking high like the map is huge and you're like so far up above the the jungle floor that it feels like you're I don't know, like in the middle of the air. And so you're running, you you eventually get a hang glider so that you can like glide from place to place. So you have that hmm. level, then you have the jungle floor level, and then you have this like undergrowth area that like you can jump down to or sometimes just fall down to and die. But there's like special points of interest down there that you can like jump down and glide to and then you like get this get get these hero points or something like that. And the other really good thing about the zone is that every new area has something to discover, which is like, I don't know, I feel like MMOs are often like, oh, you have this quest, go talk to this person. This, there's like almost a lack of instruction to the (laughs) point where like, you're like, okay, what do I do next? Which just one thing that Guild Wars 2 does, and they do really well on this map, is that there's a lot of community events going on. So like... Oh, maybe, you know, you see pop up in your map that you have to help this person, like, collect dragon eggs. And so you're going and you're collecting dragon eggs. And then all of a sudden, like, five steps later, you're just doing these community events. Five steps later, you're on this platform and the fucking dragon is, like, swooping down at you. And there's, like, 40 people around you that just happen to all be there at the same time doing this community event. And you're all fighting this, like, giant dragon. And then, like, a bunch of loot drops. So the lack of instruction almost works in its favor because you start experiencing all these things that are going on in the map at all of the different tiers and levels. Yeah. And one thing, too, that, like, MMOs suffer from is that it's like, oh, this is the... And which now battle royales are, like, notoriously bad at. It's like, oh, this is the green area where there's trees. And then it 
all of a sudden now it's desert area and all of a sudden now it's ice area this map like the various areas flow into one another in a way that makes sense so there's like these caverns and this like dusty desert area sort of in the in the bottom right of the map and then the rest is just like lush jungle but with all these like little micro environments in them there's frogs called itzel that you meet who like are they build all these tiered platforms in the in the trees that you can run around and it also you also slowly unlock mechanics so you unlock the hang glider like i said you unlock these mushrooms that you can jump on that like throw you into various locations and uh yeah i guess that's all i have <laughs> i mean that sounds like it a is, lot of combo. i was like stunned at how amazing this map is and how just nobody has talked about it there's no articles on it it's just like and it's so good well, maybe if only you had an outlet where you could post perhaps written thoughts on the matter oh wait hmm. plus one player.com <laughs> oh it's just so good and I, I understand how if you are replaying this game with multiple characters, it's got to be a bitch of a level to play through because there's so much going on that you have to like unlock and that yeah. you have to run around and do. But um, for a first-time player, it's just like... I was like constantly stunned at like, oh my god, what is this? And then, oh my god, what is this? And then the just like random community events where you're like fighting a giant dragon or like doing things like that were just so cool for my next one i have kind of like a collection it's like a style of levels that you kind of see across multiple games and it's basically the way i'd kind of describe it is like that side activity that would get you like either good loot or it'll get you like a special skill that you'll help break you up faster and the best examples i could throw out are like strikes in destiny 2 and then strongholds and anthem but also in a similar vein, but a little bit different, the cauldrons in Horizon Zero Dawn and the tombs in Tomb Raider. I'm going to start with the tombs in Tomb Raider because that one is probably the most different out of all of these because there's not really many enemies you're fighting when you're going into tombs, but what the tombs do is they'll eventually, when you get to the end, you'll learn a new skill that helps you move throughout the game and like progress a little bit faster, but they're all puzzle-based. And it basically makes you use all of the skills you've already built up up to that mm. point to try to figure out these various puzzles to get to the end of the tomb. And I always loved they were a great distraction. And, of course, I think the design of them are great just because Tomb Raider with, like, the scaling of walls and they had the grappling hook. So there was a lot of cool things that Tomb Raider did right. And just, again, the design of the world was absolutely beautiful. So you would go down into these tombs and just keep getting deeper and deeper and trying to figure out the end, and then you get to a puzzle, and then you actually sit there for a minute because you have to figure out how do I solve this puzzle so I can advance. And so it was very satisfying to complete them, um, and it was just like it was a way to slow the game down because there's a lot of, you know, taking on enemies, going from cover to cover, and, like, hiding in plain sight and stuff like that. And then this was, like, almost a very peaceful moment where it's just kind of you and Lara trying to figure this out and advance through the the, the tombs. For uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, I love the cauldrons because those are... It's, it's kind of the same concept as Tomb Raider where at the end you'll eventually rank up your ability to hack different of the machines. And so I did the cauldrons pretty much as fast as I possibly could because being able to hack all those like robot dinosaurs is super helpful in battle when you're able mm. to hack like one of the strongest one and just let them do all the work for you. So I tried to do the cauldrons as quick as I could and, and I loved every second of it because you'd be fighting through enemies there were certain like elements of kind of puzzle nature. It wasn't too major, but it was mostly like enemy battles. And then at the end, you would see some like trapped 
giant robot dinosaur that then you had to battle in this enclosed arena. So it was always super tense and thrilling, and there'd be other enemy robots that'd be in the area too that you had to take on. So... It was just so fantastic. I, I was, it was so exciting because, like, you'd be trying to figure out how can I take this thing down without it killing me because we're in an enclosed area. It's not like when you're out in the open world and you can, you know, dive and roll and try mm-hmm. to create a little bit of distance. You had to use, like, all the weapons you had at your disposal. And you had to craft on the fly. You had to keep moving. So exciting, so thrilling. And the payoff is great because being able to rank up that ability to hack the, the dinosaurs was very key for... Anthem and Destiny 2, I just love the strikes and the strongholds because it's it combines a little bit of teamwork, but it's the same concept where it's like the sprawling underground mm-hmm. area where you keep diving deeper and deeper into like tougher waves of enemies up until you get to that last big boss. And it's always just a, a fun experience. Like it's it's exciting. There's so much action going on, and then there is that satisfaction at the end where you come together, you take down this big enemy, and you get some some good loot out of it and able to rank up your character so those are always a good time so i love those little side things that are just they're parallel to the main story but you don't have to do them it's encouraged that you do and they always make me feel i guess fulfilled after i've done them it's like all right i'm glad i took the time to go do these side missions so when all that stuff is done well it gives you a little bit of a distraction a little bit of a a different style of gameplay and so i like that i like the the way they change yeah i like those two because it's like the pve equivalent of like jumping in a multiplayer a pvp match you know it's like oh right. I, re- I don't really right. want to fight other people right now or have mm. that competitive edge right now i want something cooperative and so like okay i'll jump mm-hmm. into a strike it's just nice yeah. to have that option now yeah so i love those types of levels especially because they i feel like as you keep going deeper and deeper you just like go deeper into like what the fuck am i gonna find next <laughs> like what what's gonna I pop gonna out at me next <laughs> matt do you have any others to add uh, I have I one do. more. Oh, okay, cool. I do. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, I was going to say, um, I don't know if anyone, either of you, ever played Half-Life 2? Yes, I did. I have not. The level uh, Welcome to Ravenholm from Half-Life oh, 2. Oh, what a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite levels, or in, uh, one of the most memorable levels of any game I've ever played. Mm-hmm. Just based on like the setting and how like creepy mm-hmm. and like scary. Like, that was like the first game I played where I remember being like, oh, this is like creeping me out it was <laughs> definitely like, scary is, especially when there's fast zombies like show up later oh. and they make like that like howling noise i'm just like yeah. what the hell is happening and they like climb up the little uh they like because they can clamber up these little like wa- water drainage pipes uh-huh and like the only time like you know that's happening is you hear like the sound of like the pipe like shaking so like oh. every time you hear that, you have to like look around like oh, which pipe is it coming up? Yeah, and it's you're, on, so you're on the roofs a lot in that one, right? Yeah, yeah, because you're yeah. traveling on the rooftops a lot of the time, and that's and when like they climb up. Aren't you trying to find that creepy guy or something? He, well, there's a priest that helps the you. priest, right? And yeah, he's yeah, kind of yeah. like deranged, but he but he's like helping you. Yeah, he's like, oh, I need to tend to my flock, and he's just <laughs> shooting zombies in the head. And it's like, oh, he's awesome though. I I he I loved he. He was like one of my favorite NPCs from that game. <laughs> yeah, he, that just a level, crazy priest. Yeah, that because le- that level is like different from the rest of Half Life. It's too. so different. Yeah, but my favorite thing about it is this is the first level after you get the gravity gun, mm. which is one of the coolest weapons in any game ever. Because that was like the big thing with Half Life Two is like it had a completely new physics engine, which was like mm. never like you'd never seen like being able to interact with like objects in the game like Mm. before a game like this 
where it's like, okay, so now you have the gravity gun, which is basically like your physics manipulation tool for the rest of the game. So if you see a box, you want to move the box, you pick it up with the gravity gun, put it somewhere else. You use it to solve puzzles by like putting rocks in like a counterweight, which like lifts a gate or something. You use it to like push something out of the way, like a car. And then you find out in, Ra- in Ravenholm, which is the first level, you use it as a weapon. Because that will be your go-to weapon throughout almost that entire level because you might not have that much ammo at this point. So you're like, oh, but there's saw blades all over the ground. So you pick up the saw blades and you shoot and you wait for the zombies to come down a corridor. So there's like five of them and you shoot Hmm. one saw blade and it cuts all of them in half. But then the zombies don't, that doesn't always kill them. So they're crawling at you, but they're just like a torso. So you have to pick up something else and keep (laughs) shooting them. So like that's when you find out like, oh, this game like wants you to manipulate the physics to it like it's advantage. And it's like, this is the level that demonstrates that. It's like, okay, see, all of... Because there's so many pick like items and, like, things that you can manipulate in that level. Like, every chair and table, there's, like, paint cans that you can pick up, and you shoot the paint can at a zombie, and then the zombie gets covered in paint. It's, like, it's got a big white smear all over its face That's now. pretty cool. I thought that was so cool when I first saw that. But there's environmental things around that level, too. There's, like, little salt, like these like spinning propeller blades that you can crouch under and you turn them on and the propeller starts going around and the zombies hear it and they see you and they start walking towards you, but they're stupid. So they don't know it's like a propeller and they all just walk into the propeller and just get ground (laughs) up by it. Uh, But it's, but if like too many go into it, it gets like jammed. It just like blows up (laughs) and there's like car traps, which are like these like cranes attached to these cars. And you try to, you lure a bunch of zombies under the car and then you, you hit a switch, and the the car plummets down and crushes all the zombies. And it's Jeez. just this cool, like, interaction with the environment and interaction right. with, like, the physics and all these, like, different objects that, like, you kind of, like, I, once again, going back to the endless variety thing. Hmm. Which I, I think, which, right, like, right. I feel like Seems that's to be easily... Big for you. I th- it might be in my top three, like, qualities for a game, which is, hmm. like, let me do what i want like give me options let me do what i want i have one that that takes from that and it's not necessarily like just one level in particular but just basically the entire design of uh metal gear 5 the phantom pain because (sighs) that that was oh stop it that was literally like it was just here's a mission here are your objectives but you can do it any way you want and mm-hmm. that was the, the freedom it gave you and again it gave you replay value because it gave you replay value because once you started to unlock weapons through ranking up your base and you know crafting new weapons and all that type of stuff it made you want to go back and try those missions with that new arsenal right. and trying to figure out different ways you could get through it and if you can complete all the objectives mm-hmm. if you could do it without being seen all that stuff and so I just love it, it was literally like here's what you have to do but we're not going to tell you how to mm-hmm. do it you have to figure out whatever's best for you. And there's one, this is going to be a spoiler for sure, but the fight where you have to take on quiet, who's the sniper who you can eventually bring on as uh, part of your team. She's like one of your buddies for missions. When you first encounter her, you have to battle her and there's a way that you can, cause it's best to capture her. You want to either knock her out and capture her so you can send her back to base because she's really helpful on missions. And it's like kind of part of the story. Like you don't want to kill her, but there's one way you can capture her without firing a single bullet. And what you do is once you figure out her location, she'll stay in the same spot until you hit her once. 
And so when she's in that location, you'll call in a supply drop right on her location. And it'll hit her in the head. And then she'll move. And if you find her again and call in another supply drop and it hits her in the head, then she's unconscious. And you can get her and send her back to your base. <laughs> that is ludicrous. It's so good, though. That's pretty funny. <laughs> when, I, when I figured out you could do that, I was like, this is absolutely incredible. And it happens pretty early in the game. So it's like a nice tone setter where you're like, I really can do fucking yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> So definitely big fan of that whole structure for that That's game. Cool. Yeah, like I said, like I like this level because that was the first time in a video game where I felt like I had that op that option given to me just to be mm. like, yeah, just yeah. manipulate. You throw oh, there's a zombie coming. Just keep picking up furniture and throwing it at him until he dies. Like it's just yeah. like oh, I get just I have unlimited ammo. That's fantastic. I have an honorable mention that I just want to throw out there: Divinity Original Sin Two. Yeah, it's just such a good fucking game. And all the levels are beautiful. They're interesting. The characters are interesting. So that's my honorable mention. I won't go too much into that. And then I also want to give, not really an honorable mention, more of a shout out to Super Mario Odyssey. Mm, the levels, yes. that game got yes, completely yes, overshadowed yes. by Legend of Zelda. But Yeah, sort of Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> but every level in that game is like unique and different, has interesting mechanics going on. You throw your hat and whatever like creature is native to that zone like has a different mechanic that you need to figure out puzzles in that zone like every level yeah. is interesting and fun and there's always things to discover things to find you have to go back to levels later to like do things and finish things off it's just a masterpiece in in every level design in that game I actually didn't really like metro kingdom the people freaked me out but <laughs> it, 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 it was just weird. Like, it was Mario just, so it was short? just weird. Because <laughs> they were like humans. Like, yeah, just, like, it was fun. Realistic weird. people. Like, <laughs> but like Seaside Kingdom, I fucking loved that oh my one. God, it was so it's just awesome. like so pretty. You have the, you have land mechanics. You have underwater mechanics all working together. Uh, that's the one I would I would shout out in particular. Yeah, if you haven't played that game and you love platformers, like oh my god, you have to play that game. So those would those would yeah. be sort of my final ones just to mention. Yeah, I, honestly, just a shout out to just platformers in general. They've stood the test of time. Like platformers are some of the oldest mm -hmm. like level designs you can kind of think of. Mm -hmm. And I Mario Odyssey is a perfect example of just how far yeah. it's come and like what you can do with the platformer style. And honestly, like I'm very excited for more games like that in the future. Like I know. Uh, some people are kind of down on the, the Yoshi creation game that's coming out. I'm into it. I am too. I think it'll look fun. It does look fun. Matthew, any any last ones? I, I did. I had an honorable mention, uh, and I was going to give that to Shadow of the Colossus because Ooh, it doesn't nice. really adhere to the classic idea of levels. There's mm -hmm. really only one level with, like, I forget how many colossi there are. There's, like, 15, 16 or something. Something. But, like, there's one open world where, and there's, like, all these colossi populating it. But each colossi is, like, a level in and of itself because it has its mm. own arena. It has its own, like, sort of strategy that you have to use to defeat it. It often involves, like, you know, clambering on top of it, like, going onto different levels and, like, finding the weak points. And mm. it's one of those games that, like, there's there was never, it was never a game like it beforehand and there hasn't been a game like it since it's like one of the it's most very like, unique unbelievably unique games ever made yeah yeah and like I, I almost hope no one tries to replicate it in some way just because like it just i it's it feels like it's truly one of those inimitable type of games mm -hmm. and it's just like unbelievably gorgeous 
Yeah. Okay, well, if you want to call in with your choice of great level design that we haven't mentioned, you should call us at 347-509-5620. Leave us a voicemail and we will play it on our next podcast. And so let's move into patch notes. This is patch notes 3.2.19. In which we update you on the latest news that broke since last we spoke. And this patch notes is, of course, sponsored by Evil Tim Industries, creating a serum to bring people back from the dead that have recently died to save their lives and save your family members from death. But things won't go wrong and we won't unknowingly launch a, a zombie apocalypse scenario because we're scientists. Evil Tim Industries, the serum of life. Thank you, Tim, for sponsoring the Thank show. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for the serum, Tim. My grandma appreciates it. <laughs> so let's jump in. I'll, I'll go first. Okay. So my... Our article comes from Luke Plunkett of Kotaku fame. And this was about the... I feel like people could have easily missed this uh, this week. Uh, the title of it is Skyrim Mod Making $33,000 a Month Accused of Stealing Code. So, yeah, as many of you may know, the modding community in Skyrim is pretty robust. There's actually this free mod on Steam right now that was in the top sellers list. And it was free for... Um, I forget its name right now, but it was for a completely built out world and new quest lines and things like that, that like a group of people made and, and they launched it for free, which is really cool. But I'll read you the first paragraph here. It's interesting. For a while now, a development team has been working on releasing a mod called Skyrim Together that would allow players to jump online and make their way through Bethesda's RPG together. Skip forward. The guys behind Skyrim script extender have for years been feuding with the Skyrim Together crew over allegations of code theft, even going so far as to write this in their code's license. They wrote a thing telling them not to use their code. Mm. So this, to continue, that of course hasn't stopped Skyrim Together from working on their project, which is accepting backing on Patreon and is raking in over $33,000 a month at the time of this posting. It's actually Jesus. gone down. Since this article, it's gone down to 26000 a month. Okay. Big difference. What's happened is that the Skyrim script extender folks, you know, launched their mods for free and, and, and whatever. And so they've accused the Skyrim Together folks of stealing some of that code base that they used for those mods and have put it into the Skyrim Together mod, which basically seems to be true. And that the Skyrim Together folks are now, like, trying to remove that code, but are unable to fully do it because, like, it's so ingrained in, like, everything that they've done oh, that, God. you know, think of, like, the Blizzard team making a World of Warcraft classic and launching that. Like, that has taken them years because they've built the code on top of, they've built the code for all of the new expansions on top of that old code. Mm. And there was, and so they've had to go back and, like, dig things up and like rewrite things so like it's totally ingrained and that's why it's taken them so long to do classic so i imagine there's a very similar situation here where they've taken the skyrim together folks have taken code from script extender folks and it's just like nearly impossible to find at this point what is original and what they they took so yeah i feel like the drama in modding communities is very uh 
fun to <laughs> could be a reality television show yeah yeah so i don't know i don't really know what's gonna happen there it seems like they've I lost mean, ten thousand dollars a month would so seem like a fun time though playing skyrim online like yeah interesting to look and see what's going on in the modding community so i feel like there's always some weird shit yeah and i think they have to deal with right and i think the biggest you know the core issue is that vast majority of modding communities offer their stuff for free so what yeah. happens when a modder has taken assets from other mods, built that into their own mod, and then are yeah. selling that? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where it becomes like ethical and like, right. uh, you know, exactly. do they actually own it? And that's where I guess if they if it ends up going any further than just like, hey, stop stealing our shit, right. then I guess we'll kind of see where it goes. But yeah, I agree. Exactly. Like, I think the people who are giving it for free are honestly they're doing it because they enjoy doing it and right. they like giving that chance to other people. So. Shout out to all those people who are putting in a lot of hard work yeah. and honestly probably not getting paid for it. So Yeah, thank you for letting me have Thomas the Tank Engine replace all my dragons in Skyrim for free. It's fantastic. So what I have, and this is uh, stemming from the THQ Nordic debacle. That was so fun to watch happen on Twitter, I'll be honest. I couldn't I couldn't believe that they did this. And this, so this is actually an opinion piece from Game Informer, but I brought it up because I actually think Imran Khan does a great job of kind of vocalizing you know, this kind of quick news cycle where people yeah. just kind of forget this shit happened and just move on to the next thing. So shout out the, to the Mark. title is called mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout Out to Mark. The title of this article is The Industry Refuses to Hold Itself Accountable and THQ Nordic Proves It. And this mm-hmm. is again by Imran Khan. And yes, it is an opinion piece like I mentioned. Earlier this week, THQ Nordic held an Ask Me Anything on an image board of ill repute, <laughs> which is Christ. basically they, they were on that that's like the nice way to put it. They did it on A-Chan, which is like the worst of the worst. Like there's like child pornography. It, yeah, there's yeah, like it's, horrible, it's horrible shit. It's absolute shit. Yes. Anybody could have known what that was with a quick Google search. So it was crazy that this even happened. So back to the article. Answering questions from a community that feels rules of any kind are shackles. <laughs> it was a site that was blacklisted by Google due to reports of child pornography mm-hmm. and within the AMA itself featured links to drawn underage pornography, homophobic Jesus slurs, Christ. racial slurs, anti-Semitic slurs, and basically any kind of slur you can get your mind around. <laughs> THQ Nordic's head of PR, Philip Brock, happily matched the tone and tenor of the questions being asked with his answers before professing ignorance of what this site was about. If you take Brock at his word, and there's absolutely no reason to do so, he was the sole arbiter of this AMA, and it came from a position of ignorance. Brock apologized for the issue, saying that no one else was involved at THQ Nordic. Despite this, THQ Nordic left the tweets linking directly to a website and specific page with underage depictions of naked (laughs) minors engaging in sexual activities with adults. Oh my god. And they left it up for 15 hours. It was not until Microsoft's general manager of Xbox Studios, Shannon Loftus, called them out over Twitter did they even delete the link. And then we all forgot. We moved on. We talked about how Halo Infinite is a soft reboot for the series. The community began discussing and dissecting Devil May Cry trailers. Twitter started dubbing over the new female Pokemon trainer with a Scottish accent. It has not even been a week since THQ Nordic came up with this preposterous PR disaster and then equally preposterously feigned ignorance about their knowledge of the subject and everyone just sort of let it go to talk about something else. Over the years that I've been reporting on video games, I've always observed the ebbs and flows in the news cycle and when you can expect mm. dead times and when news stories come one after another. One of the worst things that can happen to your company is when you have bad news in a slow cycle because it means you are the story of the day and sometimes even multiple days, but it will eventually become someone else. 
There will be a new main character of the next news cycle. Mirroring the modern news landscape outside of video games, news within the industry eventually fades into the ether and is brought up occasionally as a joke on a subreddit or podcast. And so he goes on, the article's great, I'm going to post it in the, the show notes. I do recommend everybody take a look. Um, he goes on to say that some folks in THQ Nordic were like talking about it and they were just like, yeah, we thought it was a big deal, but we just thought it would blow over. And so, like, there now how it is, is like, whenever something bad happens, people just expect, like, whatever, people forget about this in a couple of days. And I understand, I've seen the other side of this, where people are saying, you know, if you don't have, like, a, a new perspective or a new point of view to add to it, is it really worth your time to, I guess, drag someone that's already being dragged? And to that, I say, when they do something this fucked up, I think they need to be held accountable. And the best way we can do that is to let people know this happened. Don't forget that they did this and they kind of just played it like, Oh, we didn't know you didn't yeah, know. Bullshit. I think you didn't know. How could you yeah. Know? I think no excuse. I think there's like two issues. One is the news cycle currently, which yeah. is like a bigger issue and we're not going to solve on this podcast. <laughs> oh, for, and for sure. Not now. The other, not on episode 69. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is that, that we can really dive into is like, THQ is a company and why isn't this why wasn't this person fired immediately right like exactly if 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 I was CEO of my company and my head of PR did an AMA on a website known for rampant racism child pornography has been blacklisted by Google and if he did that and said oh I didn't know I would fucking fire him in a goddamn minute he would be yeah. gone. He would not be my head of PR. He'd be done. So, like, what is happening internally that these people want to protect him instead of just fire him? Like, right. PR and marketing, there are a lot of qualified people out there to run your marketing department. So, like, it's not that there's a shortage of talent in that regard. It's just, like, there's something going on where they're protecting him and rather keep him for some reason, which makes no sense to me. And then you have this other side which is sort of related which is like okay but when you know at arena net when two of my game developers get in an argument with a fan who's being a sexist misogynist we'll fire those two game developers right it's it like doesn't make any sense. what yeah. so yeah the, the whole thing I was have. baffling to me I, I couldn't believe that they did it and then, because uh, I saw some screenshots, God knows I didn't click the link, because if I did, I'd probably get put on some type of watch list <laughs> yeah. of some type, so God no. But I saw some of the screenshots, and like where Imran mentions like he was matching the tenor and tone of the questions being asked, he was. like He was joking around with these people. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw some screenshots, it's, too. It's absolutely crazy that they you could tell like they were trying to appeal to this, this market for yeah. one reason or another. That's why they did this. You, you don't get to sit there and say you don't know what HN is when it's 2019 and you could quite literally type it into Google and Google would be like what are you doing we blacklisted yeah. them <laughs> what are you doing that's the big thing for me is like it was blacklisted by Google you literally just have to type yeah. the name in and you'll find out yeah it's insane that this could possibly happen and the fact that they left it up for so long and they were just like oh you know my bad we had an opportunity we had to take advantage it's like what do you mean you had an opportunity yeah nice guy reached out shout out to mean? Mark that's my favorite yeah, shout it's out to so Mark stupid <laughs> It's absolutely insane. Like, if you want to do an AMA, why don't you just do it on fucking Twitter? Or why don't you do it on Reddit? Or do it on any other fucking website that isn't... Yes, like the two places where it's known that people do AMAs. 
it, Reddit. I don't get it. Like that's why I I agree with Imran where he says like I don't buy it for a second. I don't buy it either. Like there's no way they didn't know yeah. they were doing this on purpose for one reason or another. And I'm glad to see that it backfired. But like I said, I feel like we can't forget that this guy did this. Like I don't hold it against like THQ Nordic as a whole. Like I know there's tons of people who probably had no idea. And in the article, Imran mentions that there are a lot of coworkers who had reached out and basically said we feel so embarrassed. Like we had no idea this was going on. Like this is disgusting, but that's mm. where it came out. It's like, we feel like it'll probably blow over though. And so yeah, I, I, I think the only person we really need to hold accountable here is Philip Brock. And I agree with you, Matt, like how he still has a job after that colossal fuck up is astonishing to me. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. And he took sole responsibility too. So it's like really <laughs> yeah. easy. He's just like, okay, I'll well, fire said you he then. Was sorry. Yeah, can't fire I, now. I don't know. That's my story. It was a doozy. We had to talk about it because, uh, you know, PR 101 for everybody else out there. If you're you're aspiring to be in PR, this is a great free lesson of what not to fucking do. So I guess shout out to Philip on that one. Thanks, Philip. Uh, Matt, do you have anything? Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order will be revealed in April. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah, so it'll be be revealed at Star Wars Celebration, which I imagine is also when they're probably going to reveal many shit involving the next movie the mandalorian and all like it's probably gonna be a busy celebration so yeah it runs april 11th to the 15th in chicago they said it's gonna be revealed on a panel saturday april Mm -hmm. 13th so i'm looking for i'm probably looking forward to that more than any other star wars thing right now yeah because uh i do have high hopes i think uh i want to i think apex legends is what got me to that point because mm. I was like, okay, response making it like that's that's a good thing. Like I'm excited to see what they do. I hope like the yoke of EA isn't weighing too heavy on them. Yeah, that still that remains to be seen. But you know, Apex came out and it was like, oh, like they, you know, like, but a lot of the things with that is that EA didn't really like they obviously didn't advertise it. They, they didn't, didn't advertise it, it yeah. in any way whatsoever. <laughs> There's like, uh, yeah, go ahead, re- release it, sure, and it ended up exploding. <laughs> Uh, so who's mm. to say whether now they'll have a more, you know, their hands, more hands-on with with, uh, with this. But um, obviously, like, they've been working on it. So we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see what they have. And uh, I'm cautiously optimistic because I do think there's a lot of talent at Respawn. And I think a lot of that, of what they're good at, specifically, like, gameplay-wise, is making you feel like a badass, like a super powerful individual. So I'm hoping that'll translate. Hoping yeah. EA doesn't like gets their feet off their throats and lets them like do what they want to do. Right. I mean, an interesting theory would be that they launched Apex Legends so that they would have the freedom to make the game they wanted with the Star Wars game because Apex Legends is doing really well, and they're like, hey, yeah, EA. I don't. Board, look I at, don't think look they see the it loot that way. Boxes. I don't think they look see at the loot boxes. <laughs> EA. They're, they're gonna see like, wow, this free game did. Uh, phenomenally imagine if we do all this let's throw all this like shit that can siphon more money out of it not i don't think they i just i don't know i'm cautiously optimistic with respawn but at the same time i'm like pessimistic with like ea is gonna get the wrong impression from like apex's success Mm. and be like oh we should be more involved like i think we can make this better i don't know know, yeah (laughs) they probably already know that battle rails make money yeah i mean I just want a good Star Wars game. 
That's all I, I asked so for. Long. It's been so yeah. long since Jedi Academy this 2. This could be it, though. This, honestly, it could be it. It really I could. I have high hopes. It's like, uh, the pieces are there. It's just mm. The pieces are all there, but the puzzle is still made by <laughs> yeah. EA. Well, that's been Patch Notes 3.2.19. Steven, would you like to round out the show? Do we have any voicemails this week? No voicemails this Aww. week, so I would enjoy rounding out the show. But if you guys do want to call in, give us a call at 347 Let us know any of the, the level designs that you really appreciate. Or just give us a call about anything else that's on yeah, your mind, you chat. gaming related. Yeah, if you just want to say yeah, hi. we're around. So as we start to wind down episode 69, nice, of the Plus One Player podcast, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode. And if you have, go on whatever podcast service that you listen to us on, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, Podcast Addict, whatever it is, leave us a review subscribe to us give us a rating it goes a long way and we really appreciate the support and if you've liked what you've heard or any of our other content head on over to patreon.com slash plus one player and if you're feeling generous throw us a buck or two because every dollar you give us will go right back to the show to make it the best it could possibly be so we wind down episode 69 as we always do we hope that you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed making it for you and as always wherever you are wherever you're listening from We appreciate you, and we will talk to you all very soon. So that's been Pass the Sticks. Pass the Sticks. That's been Pass the Sticks. So that's been Pass the Sticks. So that's been Pass the Sticks. So that's been past the sticks. I'll just use one of those, whatever.